Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Sam Robards. I played the captain in Gossip Girl. Welcome back, listeners, to your one and only source into all things Gossip Girl. You know you'll love it. XOXO. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to XOXO. I'm Jessica Zor. And this week, we're pausing our rewatch to catch up with someone I've wanted to bring on the podcast for a while now. And today, it's finally happening. He plays a character who is kind of controversial. He punches his own son. He's committed a few crimes. And here's a hint. Our last episode, we saw him walk out in handcuffs. Today, we have who else? Howard the Captain Archibald himself, an amazing actor, Sam Robards. We're going to break down the first two crazy seasons with Sam before the captain heads off to jail. You don't want to miss this one. Here's Sam. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm doing so well. This is not to make it super awkward or weird right from the jump. Your voice is super, super sexy and wonderful. <laughs> Why, thank you. Now I'm all uncomfortable, oh. Jessica. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. Or Of course. And thank you for asking me. I appreciate it. For sure. So we've been doing like walk down memory lanes and rewatching and all the things, but I don't think I've seen you since... We were filming Gossip Girl, which is over a decade ago. But oh my God, that's correct. 
Yeah. I also don't think we ever had a scene together. I know we were definitely would cross paths in the makeup room or, you know, you'd have a scene before me or something on the day. But I don't recall because I was always I like a lot of your work. So I was always very like happy be like, oh, Sam's here. Like he's you're just I'm a big fan of a lot of your films and things like that. That's very sweet of you. Yeah, I think I think our initial meeting was at that whatever that party was. I think I'm thinking season two or when I can't remember when when we we were on the East River in that hospital over right above the FDR. Yes, that's my memory of I think our one scene together along with (laughs) 800,000 other people. But right. Yeah. Let's okay. So this is Sam Robards who played the captain Howard Archibald. Why don't you tell us about how Gossip Girl came about? If you you know knew you wanted to do it right away, was was there an audition? Was it an offer? Like kind of what was your experience with Gossip Girl? Like to, to be a part of it? I was living in Europe, and I had just come back to the states into New York, sort of in like I think it was like February of '07, mm-hmm. and I got a call from my agent. And they were like, look, there's this new show and they want you to read for the show. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So I read it. And actually, I initially had read for Matthew Settle's role. Rufus. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I think I was too old or maybe I just was too much of the captain already. No. Um, <laughs> and so anyway, so I went and I read for it and they were like, okay, Mark, I think was the guy who directed the pilot. I can't remember his last yeah. name. And he was like, you know what? Or he had a talk and I don't know, whatever. And they were like, they want you to read for the captain. And I was like, okay, great. I'll read for the captain. Mm-hmm. But in the pilot, I mean, I think it might've been seven words or seven, not even seven lines, maybe seven lines. <laughs> like it was like, over there, how you doing? Take it easy. Like that was it. And I was like, look, I'm happy to read this. I don't know what on earth how you're going to cast it because off of these three lines. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm happy to do it. And if I, if I get the job and I think they, I feel like they wrote some bunk scene, you know, some phony baloney scene right. just as an audition thing. And uh, somehow I got it. So, and that's how that's I, amazing. that's how I got it. Yeah. Well, I love it. And you played it so well. And there's this character, I mean, cause I not, I'm rewatching it obviously with this podcast and all the things, but I didn't even know half the stuff that Howard, the captain was going through and what he pulls and what he does. I'm like, this motherfucker's nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the captain. But you also did it in such a way where you, you still fight for him and care for him and root for him. You know, it's kind of yeah. like William H. Macy on shameless. Like he's wow. like, Oh, Thank you. That's you know? a great compliment. Thank you. Well, it is. He does all this like crazy things to his family and puts them in really, really uncomfortable, wild positions. But yet you guys both play these roles so well that you you give us a reason to keep caring and fighting for you. But on paper, if you would like read what, you know, the captain does, you'd be like, uh, you hate this guy. But you the way you play it is so wonderful. Well, thank you. Yeah. A whiskey swilling, coke snorting, child beating embezzler. I mean, come on, that's. Yeah, who would root for that? I'm serious. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Okay, so before we get into all the storylines and filming in New York and playing Chase's dad and being a part of, you know, this crazy, awesome show that now I always understood why it was a hit and why people liked it. 
because of reading it and, you know, all the acting was so great and we all had such a fun time bringing these storylines and all the things to life. But really watching it and seeing it all put together, I'm like, okay, wow, this was really something. So it's really been fun for me because I just I just kind of did it and went on with, you know, shooting and living my life there and and working without really going back and being like, oh, my God. And it's been so fun. So but before we do that, you're you were born in New York. Correct. Like your resume is insane. (laughs) <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Like what what got you into acting? What what was I mean, I know your both of your parents are Hollywood royalty, Jason Robards and Lauren Bacall. Was it because you were born into it or was there something you watched or was it? Well, actually, my grandfather was an actor as well. Amazing. And he had this sign because he was a he was a, a theater actor before he moved mm-hmm. out to Los Angeles uh, in the twenties, and he uh, when they started to go into talkies. But wow, um, he used he was an actor on the on the road and you know touring and all these shows. And my dad had a sign, a wooden sign from my grandfather, because in those days, you know, actors were second class citizens we were we were considered people of quote unquote low morals that we were not trusted and this sign said we do not lease rooms to theatricals mm. it was from a boarding house wow and when my father went to begin his career in acting my grandfather said to him never forget an actor shot lincoln which is true, obviously. Wow, yeah, yeah. So that was sort of the world that my grandfather came from, which was then filtered down to my father's world. And then my mom came from a totally different place, which was, you know, she was a fan and then she married, you know, the biggest movie star in the world, Bogey, and they had their their story. <laughs> up Bogard, no big deal. Yeah, that's wild. Right, they had their their thing. And then, you know, when I was with my parents, it was when I was growing up, there were all these things that were sort of in the air, in the ether, and they would constantly be talking about, oh, well, this job, and I want to do this, and then someone else got it, but what about this agent and that? And it was just always there. And then I would see them in, in shows on stage. I was also on, on, on a set, but as a kid, a set, as I'm sure you know, is just deeply boring. Nobody's really quiet. You can't do anything. It's like going to church. You can't do anything <laughs> unless you laugh, which then is hilarious. But, but in the theater, you know, they'd be up there, and I'd be in the audience, and or I'd be backstage where it was, which it was very different backstage. But when I was in the audience and they, and the audience was grooving on it and the play was going on and this was happening and that was happening. And it was my parents that were on stage, but it wasn't them, but it was them. Right. They would appear briefly and then they would disappear into their character. And it was, it was a little confusing for me as a, as a, as a child. And then afterwards I'd go backstage and, you know, all the glad handing and everyone's just, oh, you're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Who are you? You know, all that, you, the usual mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah that you get. And then while all that was happening, I would go on stage after the audience had left and I would look out at, the, at this empty theater and I'd be like, okay, so it's okay for me to be on stage right now because nobody's here. But half an hour before, I couldn't be on stage. And everybody, and so that whole weird thing of like, yeah, you're like interesting. Why? Yeah, is this? <laughs> and I was like, what is happening? There's something that's happening here. So that sort of started the germination in my brain, and I went to 
you know, tons of plays when I was a kid. I was dragged mm-hmm. hither and yon and, and, and went to see my parents' shows many, many times. So anyway, that's how I got started. I just was like, I got booted out of college and I was like, you know what? I don't really want to go back to school. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I could get a bartending job or a waiter job, but I want to just give this a rip because I just don't want to wake up when I'm 40 and go, oh, wow, what I should have tried it. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I've, so I got a job as an understudy assistant stage manager, which in a play at the Cherry Lane, it's a category that sadly doesn't exist anymore in equity. It should, because you really do learn about the theater. You actually learn the nuts and bolts of, of being in a show and what it entails, and blah, blah, blah. Which can be more more than a lot of other things that you that people think you need to do, right? But totally. Totally. Yeah. And then I got, and the, so then I got that job. You know, I made two sixty seven a week and change, and but that was when you could live in New York, and you know, a movie was four fifty, and a ball game was four bucks, and you know, I mean, you could rent was like three hundred dollars, and if you split it with somebody, you could live in New York then. Right, you were really, you really knew how to do it. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, that's how you live. So, and then I got another job, like a big job and a movie job, and then I, then it finally an agent was like, yeah, okay, we'll we'll we'll, we'll represent you. Yeah, so. Right. And that's how that's sort of how I got started. I love this. And when you were nominated for a Tony, yes, for the man who had all the luck. Uh-huh. How what I mean, you put all this energy and time and everyone's method is different or the way they get into roles. And I, I'm not sure I've never done theater, but do you prepare differently than when you were preparing for the captain or for a film? Is it completely different? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I mean, because obviously you're rehearsing. Because right. yeah. on Broadway, before we did that show on Broadway, we we were we the year before, we uh, put it up in Williamstown, Massachusetts, the theater festival there, with virtually the same cast, and it was very strange because Arthur Miller was in the rehearsal room, and my dad had worked with Arthur years before they would start helped to start Lincoln Center in the early sixties. The hell was the name of that? Wow. Senior moment. I can't remember the name of that play that he was in. Anyway, it was so anyway, so it, like it was that was cool and right. intense. You know, like when you're working with somebody, it doesn't matter what kind of quote unquote method they use. It's just like, can you deliver the goods? That's all really right, anybody right. cares about that. Nobody yeah. cares about what your process is. Other than, hey, we're ready to go. You're, you're ready, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <that's>, <laughs> nobody cares. <laughs> But theater, obviously, is very different because not only... Is it live? Well, yeah, but you have a little bit more time to find it. And, you know, it starts in the rehearsal room where the director, and obviously in this case, Arthur Miller, they have an idea about what they want the show to be. And they tell you that idea. And then as you go through... The rehearsal process of a few weeks, it starts to become each of ours, all of us who are playing these different characters, starts to become our show. We're using their template to discover how we can deliver it, right? Right. And then they have to sort of let it go until, you know, once the curtain goes up, it's ours, right? There's nobody's mm-hmm. yelling cut, nobody's going, the sound's bad. And, yeah. and, you know, and in the theater, it's very different. I mean, obviously in film and television, it's totally collaborative. You need every single person. You need every rigging grip, every Absolutely. gaffer. I mean, you need every electrician and crafty and just transport. You just need everybody all in collaborating 
Yeah, you need every piece to that little pu- yeah. big puzzle. And in the theater, that's true too. Although, if you were to strip away everything, you don't even really need a theater. You just need a space outdoors. And you just need an author to write the words, right? Yeah. An actor to interpret the words and an audience to receive the words. And then... And you got yourself a play. Right. And send back their <laughs> their interpretation of what you're doing, which it changes because uh, it's a live thing, right? right? It's a vertical thing. You throw these ideas up in the air and people take what they want as opposed to like this horizontal medium of the film where a director can speed up or slow down a scene or an actor's reactions or take one out or whatever. So it's very, it's a totally different discipline. Uh, but so that's the, that's the difference for me. Anyway, I, I mean, yeah. I, I love it just because it's, as an actor, it's just so freeing and it's terrifying, which is great because I think you should always scare yourself. Yeah. See, to me, that's what I think would be one of the funnest things because of how yeah, scary and and challenging probably for the first time too. Like especially someone who's so for me so used to doing TV. That's why I love going to plays because it's they're just so fulfilling to me. You got to be in one, Jessica. I know. I, I we should do one together. Maybe let's do <laughs> maybe it. my first one will be with you. I'm in. Good. <laughs> I'm in. I love that. Oh my gosh. So when you got the call, who called you? How did you know you were nominated for a Tony? Let's let's just finish that and then we can get into some Gossip Girl stuff. But I'm like fascinated with this because. I think theater, even what as an when you go to watch what you get from it, it, it's just such a different feeling than when you watch a film or television. Like just sitting in the theater, watching this, being in the same room, watching the people deliver their lines in the same present. You know what I mean? Because you're right, right, right there. You know, you can't pause it. You can't say, "Hey, what did he say?" Or right, yeah, you know, yeah. you're crying. Like you're just in it with them. You're on this ride with them. In real life. And I just find that so fascinating. So I think getting nominated for a Tony is like epic and like amazing. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it because there were, there were so many other performances in, in, in our show that I thought were equally, I mean, I don't know, honestly, I don't know what the criteria is. I just, and I was playing this sort of oddball part of a, of an Austrian guy and I had a mustache and glasses and I would just come out and I would hear this whispering in the audience. And I couldn't quite figure out what it was. I kept thinking, I must be doing something wrong. My fly open. I don't know like, what was going on. <laughs> and I realized later on that people were going, uh, because for some reason I nailed that Austrian accent with a lot of help from the dialect coach and, and the other actors and everything and a lot of hard work. But I think people were confused who I was. They didn't know me right away. Right. And I think that's what that whispering was. And I think that, and it was also that part was the part that sort of was to do with the emotional arc of, of Chris O'Donnell's character, the main character. So that, I think that, that helped to get the Tony nod. I can't remember. I do know that I got a drama desk nomination first because those were the first ones. Right. Okay. Amazing. And then I can't remember. I think I got a phone call from Kate Burton, who Richard Burton's daughter, an amazing actress in her own right. And she had gotten nominated for Elephant Man, which was also on Broadway at that time. Yeah. And she and I have known each other for many, many years as our parents were, were friends. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, hey, I, we got nominated. I think that's how it, it came down, as I recall. But 
Yeah. It's only 20 Aww. years ago, so I have no memory. <laughs> right. I know. It's so wonderful, though. That's, that's had to be a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Yeah, it was a little weird, though, too, because then you have a month before the Tonys and everyone is... Oh, is coming to see the show, even more so than they were before. Right. And <laughs> I didn't necessarily, quote unquote, feel pressure, but it was the only Tony nomination that the whole show got. Uh, I don't think there were any actors that were that way, but I think there were some people who were whose noses were a little out of joint, who thought that the show could should have gotten more nods, right? Because it was Arthur Miller's first play that he wrote as a young man, and it was the first time on Broadway in since 1944. And actually, the the guy who played the part that I played was one of my early acting teachers. That's awesome, Herbert Berghoff. <laughs> yeah, so there was a lot of. A lot of connections, a lot of connections yeah. in that show. Wow. That's awesome. I wish I could go like watch you do in that play. I <laughs> uh, know. It's, it's a great play and a lovely part. And it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV True Crime Podcast, to live and die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. 
Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, about another role, you played, you know, Howard the Captain Archibald. So Never heard of him. <laughs> jumping into this, this character gets arrested for cocaine, fraud, embezzlement. Mm-hmm. He flees the country to escape his trial, returns to kidnap Anne and Nate, um, is released from prison to live with Nate later on. And then you kind of just had one of a final appearance. It was in the last episode I watched. You, you, you turn yourself in, which, okay, I just... <laughs> That's a lot on the captain's plate, a lot going mm-hmm. on. <laughs> so on paper, when you were, I don't know, it's been so long. Right. I mean, what's the character breakdown for, for the captain? Well, it was, it was funny because initially I got there and then the, like, I think the, one of the first scenes we shot was me in my quote unquote office. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was all this nautical stuff. Like there was a, you know, a sextant and a ship's bell and a captain's hat. And, right. and I was like, <laughs> okay. And I said, like, I came, I think Stephanie was there in the early days. Right. Josh came a few times, but Stephanie was there definitely a few times. And I said to them and, and also to set deck and all those guys, I was like, you know, actually, I think, I don't think it's a nautical thing. I think actually what this guy is, he's a working class guy uh-huh. from one of the outer boroughs who actually is a captain at a restaurant. And what he does is he tries to find rich, lonely, Upper East Side women and bed them. And then he found one and married her and stole the money. Oh my God. Which was a, which was a very different, different vibe than I think that they were thinking. Initially thinking, right, right, right. Yeah, and I, I don't know that, but that's my guess. And I think that they then sort of ran with that. Which I, I, I liked because I, I, you know, you hope that your character, especially in a show that goes on for a number of seasons and, it, you know, that Gossip Girl was like a, you know, big ass hit. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you hope that your character will find some redemption, which in his roundabout, completely idiotic way, the captain did um, by turning himself in because he tried to kill everyone. 
Um, but, <laughs> uh, no, but you know, you know, um, so that was where it started. So were you, you were just sitting on the set and seeing all these, like, was it just it wasn't like, right. Right. It wasn't right, right. right. It was like, it's not a captain's hat. It's not, it's not that. Exactly. No, I like that more. Right. Cause it, uh, well, it just makes it a little bit more specific. Well then it, and it also makes a little, it makes more sense where you're like, okay, you kind of cannot understand where he's coming from in a way. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, yes. otherwise you're like, here's this, you know, very wealthy man who chose to, you know, is a dad and is choosing his addiction or all these things over like, right. And it was all her money. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's the whole it's, thing. Yeah. And it doesn't justify what he's doing, no, no, but it definitely all, makes no. you like, Hmm. Okay. That makes a little bit more sense. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that was because I, I just, it didn't make any, because then I was like, okay, so what? I'm a ship's captain. And then what? Exactly. What do I drive a barge or a yacht? I don't understand. And, you know, they, they sort of had the other parents, like the, the basses and all that were all super uber rich. And, and it just, it was just nice, nice to be a little flawed. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about the captain's relationship with Nate, because there were some things that like Nate have, he decides to sleep with the Duchess for the family, basically for money to help the family, Right. which when, when that happened, you know, I'm watching it and I'm like, I mean, he's between a rock and a hard place because I'm a very big family person. I'm very close to all my cousins and siblings and everyone lived in the same town and everyone did everything with each other. Mm -hmm. So like, to me, you do anything for your family. So when they do that, I'm like, I, I can see it. But then I'm like, the captain puts them in <laughs> some tough spots. Yeah, well, it's because, I mean, I think the captain was willing to do anything for money to hold on to what he had at the expense of his relationship with his son, with his wife, with himself. I mean, that was sort of the direction I was hoping that that they would go and they and, you know, Stephanie and Josh really understood what was going on. And they really, and everybody in the writer's room really cranked that up. And I think that it, it also helped Chase's character for, for Nate to, I mean, to have that kind of pressure from, from your parents, that's it's extremely, an awful thing. Yeah. Especially when you have to violate something that you might believe in strongly. Right. And you have to go against yourself in order to assuage one or both of your parents' desires. It's it's a deeply disturbing thing, I think. For sure. And and we've we've talked about this with like the adults, quote unquote, in the show, you know, like right. moms and dads of the show. Like they did a good job of showing the imperfections because I think a lot of times when when we grow up, our parents are our heroes. But when you get older and you can see that they're not perfect because no one is, right. They did a good job of showing that in the show. I mean yeah, they went real far on some of the stuff, but sure, it's that you know, there's not like these books that parents read that all of a sudden when they become a parent, like they do no wrong and they're you know they're perfect, which is the truth. Right. Even though a lot of parents will do anything for their kids and want them, you know, want to show them what's right and do the right things. Right. That was not the captain's case. That was not the captain's <laughs> case. <laughs> but I mean, like that kind of behavior of forcing, you know, in this case, the captain really pushing Nate to do things that he was not comfortable with, that can break a, a family relationship. That can break a father-son relationship, which Absolutely. sad to say it did in a way. Mm -hmm. You know, it certainly broke the captain. And I think there was a piece of Nate that probably was broken in that. 
and obviously the marriage didn't survive. So yeah, I mean, there's the. Do you remember the time? I'm like thinking about this, like all of your scenes with Nate right now. While you were saying that, I'm like, oh my gosh. Then when he punched him, and then when when Anne finds the drugs mm-hmm. and she thinks it's Nate, and you're the three of you are sitting there. This is season one. Yeah. And she's like, how could you? And you kind of give him this look and Nate looks back at you and he takes one for the, the team. team. Yeah. <laughs> when I watched it this time going around, I couldn't remember what happened. So I'm like, wait, he, there's no way he takes it. Like, oh my gosh. And then it's death by a thousand cuts. You keep doing that to prop up this version of your father, not only for yourself, but for the family, for your mom, until finally you can't handle it anymore. Right. And then you do what he had every right to do, which was to punch me. Mm -hmm. And when he had finally had enough. Yeah. And then when he talks, and that's here's the thing. And then here's Nate still somehow trying to do the right thing where he tell he's telling you you got to turn yourself in. That's the only way this is gonna like kind of make something okay right now. Well, then he's the father, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because his father can't be a father Mm -hmm. in any real sense of the word. Yeah. And then when we see you in the next couple seasons, you're you're in jail, you're in prison. I thought I looked good in the orange. Not <laughs> that I would do it as a life choice, but I thought the right. orange was a good call because I know it was a very fashion forward show. Right. But I like the orange. You did look good in the orange. And was that at Silver Cup? Yeah. Okay. And was that was that set specifically for Gossip Girl? Do you know? Or I think was so. it like a jail cell that has been used many times? I don't, I don't know, but it felt like it was, I mean, it may have been, it probably was. I can't right. imagine they built that just for that, but yeah, it was my home for a little while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that orange jumpsuit. And then I don't know if you remember this in the show, but then Nate ends up getting arrested for the same thing you did. Yeah. Which was like, yeah, full circle. I'm like, wow, they just keep it going on this show, don't they? Right. The apple doesn't <laughs> fall far from the tree, despite your best efforts. Right. You know, that was part of my reason for becoming an actor, too, is because I thought, well, I could be closer to my parents. I might understand them better by being an actor. And then we would have something to talk about, or at least I would have some understanding of, of their thing, you know? Yeah. Because as a kid, you don't necessarily understand when your parents are there or not there or what's going on. or You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. And I think that sometimes you just, you do that stuff because you you want to get closer to your parents and then you end up sometimes doing the same stuff. Absolutely. It's the, it's like ironic, right? You know what I mean? The irony of him knowing that that wasn't the right thing or, you know, but good old Nate Archibald. Good fella. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) And you're, and the family, you guys are, it's like, it's like Chase's family in real life. They're just all beautiful. Oh, they're awesome. The Archibalds are great. Yeah. Like when you see his mom and dad and sister, it's like, Texas family, so beautiful, so sweet. It's it's great. And it's literally, I'm like, Nate, it's kind of the same. Oh, totally. Such a beautiful, aesthetically uh, looking family. Yeah. Why, thank you. Yeah. Um, I have actually like a clip from Chase when I we did his episode. He loved, loved working with you. Oh, God. He and I had the best time. He's just great. great. Isn't he wonderful? <laughs> yeah. And we just really, and, and then with Francie Swift, like, just like, it was just really, it was a good vibe. I really like, I like that fake family. That Archibald family was wonderful. Wait, I'm mm. going to play you Chase's clip quick because he, we were talking about how serious the storylines were with everything that the Archibald, like what you guys all had going on. And then he's right. like, and then Sam and I would just be cracking up 
yep. in between. He's like, sometimes I couldn't keep it together. Hold on, I'll play it for you. Sam Robards played my dad. Yeah, he was so funny too. His character had a drug problem and he would always like, but he would always save it for my coverage when, when the camera's on me. So it would be done and he'd, he'd be like, I'm, I'm, you know, he would like do this thing, like, you know, and have the sniffles and like way overact. I'm like, Sam, stop. I'm, I'm cracking up. Oh my but god! But he was such a good actor. What would what do you do to not laugh? I, I don't. I don't. I just laugh and I lose it, and everyone's mad at me <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> he was like, "We just had the best time." But though, th- when we you did. have a relationship like that with another actor that you work with so much, especially with how intense like Nate's stuff was with the captain, yeah, it's so nice to have like a little bit of light in between and like. And Chase's sense of humor is so funny. He's one of the funniest people I know. Yeah, he's, yeah, and I think that's why we got on because we both had a you know, good sense of humor with each other, and and you know, and as you say, all the stuff was so serious, you can't take it so serious all the time. Right. You have to, you have to give yourself a break. Totally. What do you think the captain's doing now? Well, it's funny that you should ask that because I was just in New York in April, uh-huh. and I was walking around and. What do I see? I'm walking by Bryant Park, just south of Bryant Park. And there's Gossip Girl, one of the, I think it's the, I think it was the food truck. Oh my God. For the new one? Yeah. Lunch was over. And I was like, I should totally go up and find the showrunner because I, I had this big, big ass beard. Oh my God. And, uh, and I was like, guys, here's what you need to do. The ultimate crossover. The new guys are walking down the street and there's the captain, homeless. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I really hope you did that. You can't actually tell us that it happened, but I did. I, I didn't do that, but because I, I was like, because I, oh. I, I just saw the food truck. God knows where they were shooting. I was like, well, I got to be right. right somewhere. I'm not going to go spend my whole day going, hey guys, tracking them down. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But <laughs> I just thought it would have been a really funny, like they're just walking by and just like, who's that guy? He's just some homeless guy, and then just keep walking. But it was the captain. <laughs> And Nate's dad. Nate's dad is just like, hey, man, I need something to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Why lie? I want a beer. <laughs> Why lie? I want a beer. Uh, the first time I saw that, I was leave- it was like coming off the 101 in LA, like yep. in Hollywood. That's where I saw it in LA, too. Yes. And the guy said, I'm not going to lie. I'm homeless and I want a beer. And I'm like, I honestly, I wish I had cash on me because I appreciate the honesty. Right. I was like, fine. <laughs> Here you go. Is your last name Archibald? <laughs> Do you have any other problems? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what was your experience filming in New York? After Speaking of the food trucks and all that, like filming Gossip Girl in New York. That's the only thing. Well, I did one other indie, which is a very whole different experience, different areas of New York that we didn't really film in with the show, but did you enjoy it? Was it too hectic? How do you feel about it? Uh, It was great. I mean, I, you know, I've shot a bunch of stuff in New York and um, right. I I mean, I like it just because it's, you know, I I actually knew quite a few of the drivers. Uh, Mm -hmm. I used to play a lot of softball in Central Park and one of the drivers, this guy, Richie, he was, he played. Yeah. I love Richie. Yeah, so like, oh, there's a bunch of guys that I sort of knew from, and from other jobs because you know it's a small shop in New York for yeah, everybody, yeah. so you sort of get to know everybody. So I, I really liked it. I mean, the one thing I didn't like is when we were shooting on the Upper East Side, and then we break for lunch, and then they'd be like, "Okay, it's a walk away lunch." I'm like, "What do you mean it's a walk away lunch? We're on Madison <laughs> Avenue, and 
70th street i can't get a piece of bread for less than 85 dollars walk away i don't want to I, is there no right food? you're like i'm actually okay but it was early i'm not gonna eat today yeah but it was early on yeah before they knew it was going to be a big big thing and then once it once it hit then they were cool but that that sort of cracked me off i was like i don't want to walk away much i want to sit down and eat free food <laughs> that's, that's why i became an actor I lo- listen i love <laughs> love a lunch on set yep right <laughs> me too. yep totally yeah so was do you feel like filming on the upper east side other than an 85 dollar piece of bread which you are not wrong <laughs> i always felt like because not a ton of my scenes were at silver cup and i wasn't my character was on the upper east side more than she probably should have been with the way she didn't like it up there she i always found vanessa's up there i'm like why are you still up here go back to right, brooklyn right. Yeah. exactly <laughs> but um when we would film up there i just remember i'm like some of the the kids that went to actual school up there i'm like are they all skipping school right now and then screaming in between the scenes like if any parents or teachers need to know where their kids are they'll just follow the screams because these kids would literally come and just be there all day watching oh I which know. i found so wild to me because i'm like it's definitely a school day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're definitely here since seven this morning. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, I'm, and God knows, I, I was beyond the West Side. And then you would like, you know, 10, 13 year old girls would come out and scream and go, Yeah, the captain. The captain. Yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, no, it's okay. I'm just trying to cross the street. But I mean, that was sort of the thing where, like, I remember when Chase and I were shooting that scene, I think it was on. I want to say it was on like 95th and fifth Avenue. It was a, you know, it was a classic fratter day yep. and it was late. It was like midnight or something in the scene where, where I punch him and it's midnight. It's 2007. Mm-hmm. And I look across the street and there's probably at least a hundred kids with their sidekicks and their droids and maybe a razor, right? all sort of <laughs> filming or taking pictures of us. Right. And that was like episode five or something like that. And I said to Chase at the time, I said, dude, you better get ready for the ride. And he was like, what do you mean? And I was like, okay, there's a hundred kids across the street. It's a Friday night at midnight in the city. And they're not out partying. They're taking pictures of you because they ain't taking pictures of me, brother. They, take well, they were taking you. pictures of both of you, but no, no, I know. But I was like, <laughs> you better get like, I knew it then. I was like, right, this thing's gonna this thing's gonna blow up. Buckle up, buddy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have like one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I feel like the way Chase played Nate, too, with, you know, trying to cover up and hide these things and still, you know, being a teenager and, you know, fighting the emotions with the girls and and what's going on at home. I think he like oh, really he, did a great I job. I thought he was fantastic. And also just and, you know, this is beyond the well, it's not beyond the purview of the show. I think it's part of the show is like when I came back for the second season, all of a sudden now there's security all over the place in front of all their trailers mm-hmm. and everything because girls are going in there. And I, I think that I, I think for a lot, you know, a lot of the young guys, all those guys, it, it must've been in addition to trying to actually just do your work on the show, you know, with that 
just punishing schedule mm-hmm. and everybody's shooting 12 shows at once and you finish one location outside and then you got to go to silver cup and then you can go home and you got to get up at four in the morning and all this craziness that was going on at that time yeah um just the external of having to deal with the fandom of it must have been really difficult for them you know mm-hmm. and, and still be able to do your work i think that must have been yeah tough. very challenging it was really all of our first jobs so no one knew i re- we were all trying to figure out how to handle it everyone obviously to each their own, however they do it. But it, I remember being like, this is weird that people want to know what everyone's doing <laughs> outside of work. You know, it was just a very odd, strange thing. Yeah. For all of you. Yeah. That must have been brutal. Yeah. It was, it was in, insane. And then like <laughs> all the places, like when they did, they started making a tour, like they did the Sex and City tour. And then they did where they would come and see where the Archibalds lived and the, you know, the Met stairs where the girls sat. That's right. And, the galleries and, you know, they made drinks of our characters at the Empire Hotel. I'm, I'm like, this is really funny <laughs> and cute that people enjoyed it that much, you know? That's awesome. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was nuts. I mean, I happily didn't have to deal with any of that, but it was, that was nuts. Do you feel like when you are traveling or going about, do people recognize you more from Gossip Girl than other stuff? Hilariously, yes. Uh, usually what happens is people like, did you go to college with my sister? And I'm like, yes. How is she? I have not seen her in forever. Oh my gosh. And they're like, no, no, no. Or like people will like, people be like, we've met before. Oh, because they can't place it. Yeah. Well that's, and that's what you want, right? You don't want. Yes. A buddy of mine was working on a movie many, many years ago with a, with a famous actor who shall remain nameless. And they were in this small town in North Carolina and they were working. Uh, and they had the night off and they went out and they got some food and they're sitting in a banquette in a window in a, some small North Carolina town and they're eating dinner and they're talking. And then he's sitting there and he turns and he looks to his right and there's this window there and there's a ton of people with their faces mashed against the window looking at this other actor taking pictures And he turns to this other actor and he's like, how do you, how can you do this? I couldn't do this. And they were like, "Uh, you know, just ignore it. Yeah. I I mean, like, I I would not want that personally. Yeah. Seems invasive and so much. Right. And also for us, it's like, if, if we're in another part, you know, the hope is, is that people aren't going to go, oh, that's Vanessa. Right. Or that's the captain that actually you'll be able to play the part. And they're like, oh, wow, that that person was just that person. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So that because I, I think sometimes like a, a larger dollop of fame doesn't always work in your favor. I mean, obviously, unless you're just some, you know, big movie star or something like that. But you know what I mean? Like you're able to actually play the character without the baggage from other parts that you might have played, you know? Absolutely. It's so interesting what we do. Hey. Yeah. Like just the industry, entertainment, all the all the things. I mean, even just like when you were telling me about going to the theater and standing on there and, and then growing up with, you know, classic Hollywood royalty and then having the career you've had and then also how much has changed even from when we met on Gossip Girl. Like, oh, totally. I remember when, when I was doing Gossip Girl, it was like you either did film or you did TV. You could you'd see, you could still be like a theater actor and do film. Right. But you either did theater and did film or theater and TV. I mean... Not just, there were the few, but it wasn't like, now it's like all all across the board. You can go do your film, but you can also go do a series. It just wasn't, it was so one or the other. Wasn't, don't you feel like? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, and even when I was growing up, my parents wouldn't even dream of doing television. Right. You couldn't do TV because then you were a TV actor. You know what I mean? Right. It was you, like, were t- you weren't a movie star. Right. Right. It's like, whatever. I'm like, is there a check? Where am I standing? <laughs> yeah. Who am I talking to? Great. Yep, thank you want me you. to wear a dress? Fine. Perfect. So, yeah. <laughs> whatever you need. <laughs> exactly. And even now, like when you were saying you were just saw that they were filming Gossip Girl, I'm like, I haven't watched the new one. And I'm I haven't either. excited to go see what it what it's all about in the sense of when we were doing it, it was a show about a blog when blogs didn't really exist. So I'm very excited to see what they're doing with it. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was the whole point of Gossip Girl to me with ours. It was interesting because we didn't have all these platforms and now we do. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how they're playing with that. Yeah, it's totally different too. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that it would have been different back then at the time if we would have had more social media. Like, I don't think our show would have, people would have responded to it the way they did then if we had all of it. Right. Like the first time around, I feel like it would have been challenging to um, have all that. Right. In the show and off the show, both of it. But Yeah, well, that's, yeah, social media is a whole other thing, man. That's now a metric for you know, whether or not you get hired and all this stuff. That's a whole other chance. It's so crazy. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's why I'm not on it. So. Yeah. I really, that's awesome. Very refreshing to hear too. Well, because it's like irony does not play in the digital age, right? You can't be ironic right. because you can't read tone from a tweet because it's just, oh, although there's hilarious stuff on Twitter, but it's just, it's just information. Yeah. So if you don't have context, it's hard to figure it out. It's a whole thing, man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you hit it right on the nose. Anyways, that was, I mean, we, I basically just wanted to kind of talk to you about the captain and, and how you got into acting and living in New York and all that kind of stuff. I feel like we covered a lot of fun, fun stuff. I really loved, I didn't really know that about you being on set with that. That's like a fun fact that I don't think a bunch of the fans, I think, will, will love hearing that, too, because I didn't know that. And it really makes me, like, feel different about the captain a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, and obviously, I, I think they probably were going, I think they probably obviously knew as well that it wasn't just, it couldn't just be like, you know, I wasn't like Captain Stubing from the love boat. <laughs> Although I could have done that, too. Could have. <laughs> Maybe in the new one. Maybe yeah. in the new then, one. No, we'll I get think, him a job. No, homeless. No, it's got to be. <laughs> Do you have any any projects coming up that you can talk about? Uh, no, actually, I've been actually I've been writing a lot and I've been directing some theater and um, that's though that's one thing. The pandemic, I've been able to sort of slow down and uh, pick and choose a little bit. So that's that's sort of where I've been at. Yeah. And are, do you do you like directing? I do. I do. It's, I mean, I, I much prefer acting because okay. I don't know. I just, I like acting on stage. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's challenging and fun. And, and, um, what you get is sort of immediate. And my, my dad said something about it. I think he was quoting Ralph Richardson, who's an English actor of, of great note in, in which like, if you're doing something that's not of this time period, you're sort of breaking time mm-hmm. and, and it's like our, our time to dream. Mm. Like you can go to the theater and see something and it's not, and, and it's a little bit of a dream time. And then you come back into the world. And I think that's 
we need that. And that's one of the great values of, of the theater. Yeah. I love that. Wow. Yeah. I need that you're making me like have all these feels of coming and just going and watching theater for weeks in New York now. <laughs> Book a New York trip. Go for it. Bring the kids. Yes. Front row. For sure. Aw. <laughs> I'm going to definitely be coming and going and seeing some theater. You got me all fired up about that. And I hope that we like Sweet. cross paths soon. And I can't wait to tell Chase that we did an episode. He'll love it. He'll be super pumped. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. I hope, I hope we do as well, Jessica. Yeah. It's been great. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Wow, it was so good to talk to you, Sam, and hear all of your thoughts on such a complicated character like the captain. I love getting to chat with you today, so thanks again for joining me. For everyone else, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. I can't wait to see you back here next week. Until next time, XOXO. XOXO is produced by Propagate Content and me, Jessica Zor. Our show is executive produced by Ling Lee, our producers are Diego Tapia, Kristen Vermilia, Emily Carr, and Hannah Harris. Original music by Moxie and Loon, and the episode was mixed by Seth Olansky. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. Well, how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.